Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Dental Implant Podcast. I'm on my break here at Evo Dental, and being the titanium nerd that I am, being the titanium nerds that we all are, um, I'm going to record the next episode right now for you. So again, sorry, it's been a long break. I'm not going to use the same excuse as last time and say, oh, I'm going to use this uh, break as an excuse to launch season two, because I only did like two or three episodes. I've just been busy. I've been flat out. No other excuses. But I am still here. I am still committed to helping you understand implants better. So it doesn't matter what part of your journey you're in, whether you are right at the beginning of your journey, you, you, you know, you haven't even started implants, or whether you're partway through and you're starting to find your feet. Um, I even hope that there's some stuff on, on here for people who are who are proficient. So this is aimed at being uh, quite diverse. And I'm going to be rambling today about implant failures, what I think causes implant failures. Um, this is something that I've alluded to in the past that there are so many factors involved in the healing of implants that it's really, really difficult to design a study and say, right, no, we're going to do a randomized control trial. We're going to assess this one aspect and keep everything else the same. It's just not possible. It just does not happen. Okay. So a lot of it is reading between the lines. It's understanding how factors interplay with one another. And that's one of the things that I'm going to go over today. Um, just to make you aware, I'm not sat here turning around and saying, I don't have failures. I absolutely have failures. I've said this before, people who say that they don't have failures and that they have a hundred percent success rate. They are either only placing one or two implants per year, um, or, or, or they're lying to you. It's, it's, it's one of those two things. Okay. One aspect I'm going to come to in a minute is systemic factors. And Bill, if you're listening to this, do you fancy coming on again so that we can talk about this increase in early failures? Because you know my thoughts on it. I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. Okay, uh, Bill Schaefer, that is. We all know, we, you know, awesome guy. Uh, and I'd love to chat to you more, Bill. So let me know. Okay. In fact, I'll reach out to you instead of just putting it on the podcast. Right. Okay. So. Let's break it down into surgical first. I've got my brief notes here. That's why I keep glancing over for those of you watching on YouTube. So one of the things that can cause implant failure is blunt burrs. We don't think about this enough. Burrs have a finite lifespan and how long they last depends on which implant system you use. Okay, some implant companies will recommend changing the burrs over uh, once every 10 uses, once every 20 uses. Others will uh, have a certain sequence of burrs which are single use only. It is really, really, really important that you are changing over your burrs uh, regularly. Okay, now I want to quantify that a little bit further is if you see a patient where you're doing, let's say, full arch from and they've got D1, D2 bone everywhere those burrs are not going to last as long as if you had somebody where you know you're placing uh, uh, implants where they've got d3 d4 bone everywhere i had one patient last week did a full arch reconstruction at evo and uh her bone it was like it was like trying to cut with a hot knife through warm butter literally i'd put the pilot drill would go in it'd go to length uh, and i wouldn't even i'd just push it 
just manual push. And then I'd have the two millimeter bud, just push it to length. And then I was putting in a five millimeter diameter implant, having opened up the crest a little bit more. I was barely getting 35, 40 Newton centimeters. It was just insane. So we need to respect the type of bun that we're drilling in. We're gonna come back to that in one moment, okay? If you do nothing else, uh, change over your most frequently used burrs much more frequently, okay? Um, uh, particularly your pilot burr, particularly your two millimeter twist. Those two, they get used way more often. Uh, the rest of them predominantly for shaping, but those two are your, are, are your main drilling sequence burrs. So make sure that we're keeping a track of how often you use these burrs and just replace them on a regular basis. If you're in a position where you can charge your patients a little bit extra and you really want to kick things up a notch, is buy a brand new pilot bone for every single implant that you do. You know, a lot of these companies, is you know, these birds, they're not expensive, or you can, you, not that implant companies are likely saying this, you don't have to use their brand. You know, is if you if you know of a decent couple of birds that are, that are cheap that you can use from wherever, you can use those and you, you, you need to be replacing them frequently so that you have really, really good cutting efficiency. It's down to the cutting efficiency of the birds, okay? And you can't see when they wear. Sometimes you need a microscope to look at them to see the amount of wear. Okay, so next one. Incorrect osteotomy techniques. Now, I've mentioned this before, 50 Newton centimeters on trabecular bone is different to 50 Newton centimeters on cortical bone. You need to understand the type of bone that you're drilling into and modify your osteotomy accordingly, okay? When I have very soft bone, is my, uh, my osteotomy is much more tornado shaped, so it's very narrow at the bottom and it flares up towards the top. Even in super soft bone, I don't want any pressure on the cortical bone just that one one and a half two millimeters in the top so i'll always prepare that out to length and there was um uh, i think it was block et al did a did, uh, did a study where they showed that if you oversize the neck ever so slightly listen to what i'm saying not the entire osteotomy just the neck if you oversize the neck ever so slightly by 0.1.2 millimeters is you get a slight reduction in uh, primary stability ever so slight but the integration rate increases and the long-term stability around the neck of the implant is better after six and nine months okay so when you hear me talking that i'm hunting for eight, 75 85 100 120 newton centimeters um you need to understand that i'm qualifying that that that's not on the cortical bone right at the neck of the implant that's that's elsewhere okay and if you've got D1, D2 bone, then you want a much more parallel osteotomy where your implant drops almost to the end completely. And then the last one or two turns, you want to see the primary insertion torque take off through the roof. So all your primary insertion torque comes in from those last two. So that's how I do my preps for, for dense bone. And the issue with that is you can easily over prepare and end up with zero peak insertion torque. So you really need to have a good handling on how your burrs work on how your uh, implant body is designed as well and how your threads are designed because it's not just the threads that give you stabilities the implant body design as well so understand your osteotomy techniques okay the next point i've already uh, discussed which is the difference between cortical and trabecular bone okay 
I've got no problems um, uh, putting pressure on trabecular bone. I've got no problems putting pressure on cortical bone when I'm bicortically fixating and it's at the apex, okay? But when you bicortically fixate, it does actually uh, alter the forces that, that are on the neck of the implant as well. So you need to understand what's going on, okay? So as I said, nice tornado shape for soft bone, pretty much parallel for dense bone, depending on your implant design, okay? So the next one is suturing. You need to have a good suturing technique, not just um, single interrupteds, although I fully respect that's that, that's what most people do nowadays. You need to learn different suturing techniques. You need to, you know, uh, there is a narrow-based, horizontal, sling, uh, vertically compressed um, suture, which I use a lot. Um, there are modified vertical mattress sling sutures which are really good in aesthetic cases and additionally you know you, you, so you need to research more about different uh, suturing techniques but it's not just that it's the material itself okay is you want to have something that's pretty smooth and uh, when you have something that's pretty smooth um uh, uh, such as a monofilament this the tissues just heal way better okay um ptfe is superb as well uh i use glycolon a lot glycolon is absolutely beautiful the downside to glycolon is it's clear you can't see it it's a real nightmare when you're trying to suture it you're like where the, where the hell is it where's it gone um but the results that you get back are superb um in aesthetic cases i use um uh, 6o sutures with a small needle don't want a big needle, okay? And uh, in other cases, I aim to stick to 5.0, basically. The only time I ever go 3.0, and I know some people still use 3.0, is um, when I've done mucoplasty in the upper and I've clipped the artery and the patient's bleeding all over the place. You need a thicker suture to tie off the artery, basically. But look at your different suturing techniques, okay? What's the next one? Not understanding your implant design, okay? Again, this is something that I've alluded to before. If you don't know how your implant works, if you don't know what the macro design of the body is supposed to do, if you don't know what the thread design of the body is supposed to do, if you don't know what the pitch is, if you don't know whether it's a single or dual start thread, if you don't know whether it's a progressive thread, how exactly are you planning on using it? So you need to research your implant system a little bit more. One, one thing that I really liked is last week on that case with a super soft bone, I ended up using the Southern Max, and the Southern Max is it's designed to achieve extremely high primary uh, stability from the macro design of the body, not necessarily the threads. Uh, but even even using that, you know, on that particular one, I I got about 35, 40 newton centimeters, whereas normally I'd be expecting 80. You know, that's that that that's the quality of the bone that I had in that case. So you need to look at your implant designs. Okay. Um, now I am considering expanding all of this knowledge out into much greater depth and details uh, other than just the podcast. So if you think that you might be interested in a course like uh, online, something along those lines, let me know because if you're not interested, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm too busy. Um, but if you are interested, I'd love to be able to share this information more and go into a lot more depth than what we're covering here as well. Okay. Next one, taking too long. There's not a, a great amount of evidence that, you know, once you raise a flap, it's raised, um, you know, but all of the very experienced uh, implant surgeons that I speak to, and certainly from my own experience as well, the quicker you're in and out of surgery, the faster the implant will actually heal. Um, 
But Converse as well is if you haven't been exposed to enough implants, it's going to take you longer to start with as well. You can't rush these cases. You've got to do it quickly. But stay committed. Right. Titanium nerds, stay committed. Okay. Keep exposing yourself to implants. Keep doing it. Keep learning from your mistakes. We all make mistakes. And what you will find is over time, you'll get faster and faster and faster at doing it. Okay. So, um, you know, there are instances where a patient's from patient into patient out, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's 10 minutes, you know, is if it's a really straightforward immediate placement or if it's a, you know, a healed site, it's, it's 10 minutes, but I didn't get to that, you know, eight, nine, 10 minutes overnight. It's taken me years and years and years. It's taken me thousands and thousands of implants. So just stick with it, but understand the better you're prepared going in, um, and the faster you're in and out, the faster your patient heals as well anecdotally okay right what's the next one inadequate soft tissue quality and quantity and we'll throw bone into that as well so there's a big thing that oh no don't have enough bone and uh, uh and dental be like right you've got to perform a, a bone grafting but very few dentists and not enough dentists pay enough attention to the um uh, quality and quantity of the soft tissue thomas linkovicious has got excellent data that suggests that if you do not have adequate thickness and quality of tissue that you are going to have bone loss okay and sometimes it's as simple as when you're putting your healing abutment in put a little bit of mucoderm around the neck and suture over the top of it and everything heals beautifully okay um so it's we need to understand what interplay uh, soft tissue uh, has as well do not ignore the soft tissue. Otherwise, you're inviting problems right from the start. Platform switching does not work very well if your soft tissue is inadequate. Okay, You can have any type of connection. If your soft tissue is inadequate, then you're going to start to get bone loss. Okay, Next one, patient systemic factors. Bill, this is what I want to chat with you about. Uh, I think it'd be a good podcast to do. We are seeing an increase in patients with poor quality bone density we're seeing an increase in the number of early failures coming up i have my own thoughts that it's a it's like a systemic combination syndrome vitamin d high cholesterol poor diet stress levels improper gut bacteria poor quality sleep i think it's all playing together to make patients just systemically more sicker not just patients us as well you know if, if, if we're we are not looking after ourselves well enough. We're not going to heal if if we ever have a fracture or whatever, or need to have an operation. I think it's I think it's a global pandemic, which is pretty much going around, and it's due to a lazy and unhealthy lifestyle. Okay, let's move on to restorative now. Poor planning and design. If you've just put the implants in, and you see this a lot in the University of Facebook, you go to any group, um, and in a lot of full arch groups as well, and you see you see just implants placed in random, awful positions. And I saw um, I, I've seen some cases where it's a full arch, and you know, it's, it, the, and people are like, oh, look at how beautiful these teeth are. You zoom in on the picture, and the prosthesis isn't fitted on some of the multi units, so it's impassive. They've not shown you a, a photo of the the fit surface, and they refuse to show you a photo of the fit surface because they're like, mm, doesn't matter if the fit surface is uncleansable. What you know? How exactly is a patient supposed to clean it? You know, so design plays a very very big role. Now, something I was told um, not very long ago, which which does worry me, is there are some institutions which think, oh, you know what? Once once you planned everything, 
That's 85% of the work. The actual implant placement in and restore, restoration is easy by comparison. Is it bollocks? No, it's not. Treatment planning is important. You need to understand what you're doing, but don't think that if you know how to treatment plan that you're going to get a successful outcome, you need to have the appropriate surgical skills. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, okay? Don't let somebody go, don't go on a course or somebody's going to turn around and say to you, we'll show you how to do guided because once you can do guided, you can do like 80% of cases. No, you can probably do about 5% of cases. And for those guided cases where you're using a tissue punch, what are you doing with the soft tissue? Okay, this really irates me, as you can probably tell, because what they're doing is they're making implants sound way more easy than what they actually are. And why? Because of this, because of money. Okay, you pay them. Okay, you take on all the risks, you take on the re- all the responsibility, you have problems, but it's your fault, not theirs. If you're going to do it, Absolutely. I encourage you, but do it properly. Do not be cutting corners. Okay. Learn to do this stuff properly. Understand. I've said this before. It's an expensive journey. It's a long journey. It's a painful journey. It's also worth it. Nothing in life is that that's worthwhile doing is easy. Okay. So you need to understand that before you book on a course where all of a sudden, oh yeah, we will send you out the guides. We'll do the treatment planning. All you've got to do is tissue punch. And if you can do a a, a post crown, then you can place an implant. It's not like that in the slightest. Please, please, please understand if you're getting you into implants, it's a little bit more intricate than that. Okay. Next one, reusing components. Don't do it, okay? We've mentioned this before. If you're reusing lab components, if you're reusing pickups, if you're reusing healing abutments, if you're reusing all uh, all of this stuff, they wear over time. Most of them are only supposed to be single use anyway, but they wear over time. You start to introduce small inaccuracies that get translated forward. It's not worth it, okay? Um, And make sure you're using a brand new prosthetic screw for every single case, okay? Next one, not understanding your connection type, okay? This, again, is really important, okay? I don't really care what type of connection type that you use, okay? But you should be passionate about it, right? You should understand how to use it, okay? Now, what I will tell you is external hex works because I've placed thousands and thousands and thousands of them, okay? I'll also tell you that Morse taper works because I've placed thousands of those. Um, I've placed hundreds and hundreds, if not a thousand of internal hex as well, They all work, but you need to understand how to use the connection. They've all got their pros and cons, okay? You need to understand the connection. Any implant company turns around and says, this implant connection is perfect, everything else is useless, they've got an an angle. It's it's that simple. There are some connections which are exceptionally stable long-term, but they're much easier to use for single implants than what they are with multiple implants. Um, you know, and how you how you treat one type of connection, you don't treat a different type of connection the same because they've all got their minor intricacies. And it's not just that, but even the, the same similar-ish connection between different systems that, you know, implant companies, they want to make a minor tweak and, and, and try and pretend that it's, it's going to, this is going to solve all of your problems. And then you've got to have a different feedback from, from that, if that makes sense. You need to learn how to use that as well. So you need to be consistent in what you're doing, understand how the connection works and apply it appropriately. Okay. So I see a lot of people applying implant connections inappropriately find out that they have a problem and then they blame the implant or they blame the implant connection because they've they they have not used it correctly 
So you need to understand not only your implant body design, your implant thread design, you also need to understand the connection design as well. Really, really critically important, okay? The last one I'm going to cover at the moment is not cleaning your uh, prosthetics properly when they come back. Most people take it out um, of the lab box, they look at it and they go, oh yeah, that, you know, that looks nice. And they drop it into uh, cold sterilization for 10 minutes and it's ready to fit. That's not appropriate. You have to, have to, have to properly disinfect your lab components because the soft tissue reaction is significantly improved when you do that. Okay. So you can see what we've been discussing so far. It's not just one thing. It's not one minor thing. It's a number of different things which are layering together, which can start to tip, tip the balance in our favor or out of our favor. And you need to understand all of this. So uh, get studying Titanium Nerds. And um, uh, yeah, I look forward to sharing more again in the future. Um, um, but as I said, it's this really is a fantastic field, but I, I, I dislike it when people turn around. No, I'm not going to use the word dislike because that's not passionate enough, right? I hate it when people pretend it's easy, right? They're, they're trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. But you have to be prepared to put in the correct level of effort to reap the rewards, okay? So, um, as always, if anybody wants to come out and see us at Evo Dental, get in touch. We'd be more than happy to, to, to show you what we do on a, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I've got some more podcasts lined up. Uh, I've got loads of guests lined up, but they're sick, I'm sick, or you know, th th they're busy, I'm busy. Oh, I will try to get these people on board ASAP. If there's anything else that you would like to learn, like to know about, um, please do let me know. And we'll, you know, we'll pick up uh, suggestions from yourself and move forward accordingly. So until the next episode, folks, uh, thank you very much for listening. Encourage your uh, friends and colleagues uh, uh, to, to listen. You know, I don't care if they don't listen to him. They don't, I don't care if they're not even dentists, right? I don't care what they do. Tell them, you know what? Help this guy out. Listen to his podcast. It's all much appreciated, okay? Help spread the word. And I am here to help increase your knowledge. And I hope you've got just a couple of bits out of today's episode. I'll speak to you guys soon. Bye.